Hello and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Northern Lights Teaching School Hub podcast, where we discuss all areas of classroom teaching, school leadership and professional development for teachers and leaders at every stage of their career, with a range of guests from schools across our region and beyond. I'm your host, John Tate, so let's find out what we've got lined up for you in today's episode. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing how we can get our students truly engaged in their learning. So I'm delighted to say that alongside me on today's show, we have Howell Roberts. Howell is someone who I've had the pleasure of meeting many times at teaching conferences and events over the years, someone who's always thoroughly inspired me in my role as a teacher and a school leader, but has also made me smile and laugh out loud with his fantastic way of relaying stories from the classroom. He's taught across the full range of phases, including primary, secondary, and special settings for over 25 years. He's a published author, speaker, consultant, and more importantly, an all-round great guy. So a huge warm welcome to the podcast, Howell. Oh, thanks, John. What a lovely, what a lovely introduction you've given it, given me there. I hope I can live up to it. It's it's really nice to be here, and I'm really grateful for the time that we're going to spend talking to one another. Yeah, thanks, Howell. And I'm sure you will live up to that. No pressure, but I'm sure you will live up to that introduction from having seen you, you know, speak many, many times before. So we're going to talk about engaging learners today. So let's start by looking at what we actually mean by engagement, because there's many times that we often mistake compliance for engagement. So can you talk to our listeners about the difference between compliance and engagement and how we can distinguish between the two? Yeah, I think I think there's a shift we have to make, actually, as, as grown-ups working in classrooms. Just around definitions, I think, and I, I, you know, and I'm not going to fight on a burning bridge about it, but I think engagement can be compliance we've got to be careful with that that yeah. and you know when you've got your class all quiet we've got we've got to be careful that they're not just meeting our expectations around manners mm-hmm. in fact john i think that's what engagement is they are meeting our expectations yeah. around manners the kids bless them and you know they they're basically ready to learn which is which is great but I'm not always sure if we we know that all third if we've got thirty kids in the room if they're all already I, I don't know if some of them might just be there in body and not in mind and spirits. Well, it's interesting. I, I I use it. I use a turn of phrase mental truancy. You know, it's that kind of idea. They're, they're actually there, but actually they're not there with you, kind of cognitively, are they? That's lovely. No, no, they're not. And and it's not necessarily poor behaviour. I think it's part of our job to get kids leaning in and it's part of our role to kind of make the if you like the the elements of our curriculum that might feel a little bit mundane dare I say it it's how are we going to package that up for our learners in the way that if if your own kids are in a school you'd hope the teacher was doing that for them Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean that at least they were having a go and I I talk about it in terms of building botheredness Mm -hmm. so Engagement's great. And I'm I'm buzzing. If someone watches me teach and they said, oh, they were really engaged. I'm I'm dead pleased with that as feedback. But I think we need to shift the language. And I think we need to shift it to one of investment. I'd rather someone said to me, Do you know what? Those kids, they were really invested in you then, weren't they? They couldn't take their eyes off you. They were, but they weren't made to do it, you know, with slant or something. They were, they were just, they were just gripped by what you were sharing with them. I think it's it's where we uncover, if you like, when we have those moments, and I'm sure listeners have had those moments today, every day, maybe, where you feel like, oh, I've got my kids where I want them here. And I wish I had a documentary film crew following me about because <laughs> that was just brilliant what I just did. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I think when we have that feeling, that, that, that particular 
sense of professional gratification. And I think I think that's where kids have been invested in what they're doing. And that might be just as an early years teacher, they've packed up nicely, you know, <laughs> or they've, they've built something really interesting with the Lego blocks, you know, or as a, as a post-16 teacher, you know, you've got your kids going really deep. You've given them the basics, but now they're going deeper independently. But maybe you get that in early years as well. And you get that gratification uh, in both. And I think what you've done there is you've got your learners invested Engagement, though, you know, don't feel bad about getting kids engaged. I think it's just a shift of maybe just a professional shift of language and, and definition. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I don't I, know if that... it, it does. And it's really interesting. It's opened up another couple of things that I, a sub, sub question that I want to ask you, actually, or just to kind of pick up on. Right. You mentioned there are a couple of phrases that I'd like to kind of just home in a little bit more. And maybe if you can give us an example of what this might look like, because I, I, the two things you talked about was, getting kids to lean into the curriculum and I can almost I can almost see that happening you know actually that that idea of I'm not leaning back in my chair but I'm suddenly starting to lean a little bit forward I'm, I'm actually on the edge of my seat you know I'm, I'm kind of I, I, I like that and also you mentioned how do we get them like invested so in terms of that that and again I think investment for me feels more than just mental it feels physical you know it feels like they're actually physically doing something I'm physically investing in something so what does that as an example I suppose for listeners what does to you, and you know, you've been in many, many schools, as we mentioned, and you work with lots of different ages, phases, teachers, et cetera, et cetera. What does leaning in actually look like? And what does investment, you know, what are those things? And can you give us an example of when you've maybe taken something quite difficult that then suddenly you've got kids to that investment stage? I think, thanks, John. I think leaning in is that is the antidote to that mental or the opposite to the mental truancy you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. you know or mental absenteeism yeah. it's where it's where they're they're um i'll give you some examples but it's where they're with you yeah it's that sense that you have as a grown-up that you've got that feeling of i think psychologists call it a feeling of presence mm -hmm. we're in it together at this moment the pedagogical decision by the teacher is one of side by side mm -hmm. rather than in front so i'll say to i mean just off the top of my head i'll i'll show the kids a picture of an abandoned factory mm -hmm. and it's and we'll talk about it these are primary kids but i could i could engineer this up to secondary no worries mm -hmm. but these are primary kids let's say they're they're lower key stage two and we're looking at the abandoned building and we're, we're thinking of words and we're doing a bit of literacy around it, literacy response in the moment where we're all looking at the picture and we're just gathering ideas. I've not got, you know, I've not, I have got an agenda as the adult, but for now we're just talking about what we see. And then we start talking about the possibilities of what the old building, what the purpose of the old building and who built it and why and when the building was alive. And these questions might come from the kids. You know, mm -hmm. when, when it was alive, what did it do, this mm -hmm. building? And kids can't, and we're operating in some sort of abstract, but we're doing it gently and carefully. So no kid in lower key stage two in year three, say, is going to say, Hey, gosh, we're we're operating in the abstract here, aren't we, Mr. Roberts? You know, no kid says that. We're just we're just in it, but we're in it together. It's like we're sailing in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And we we look at the building and then we think about the building. Then I say to the kids, right, let's say we're going in the building because we're the last people who are going to explore it before it's demolished. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to go in the building, what do we need to take with us? And a kid might say, Are we urban explorers, sir? And I might say, Yes. And I might say we've been asked by the council 
to go in before a demolition. And kids find that exciting. Now, this is just a story. This is where storytelling kicks in. But all I'm doing is relaying a context without, if you like, without a worksheet, without, you know, without doing it coldly. I'm doing it warmly. I'm doing it in a kind of matter of fact way, but it's planned. I'm, I'm totally prepared and I'm in charge, mm -hmm. but we're kind of using the imaginative. Um, so we're going to go in and, I, and the kids write lists then. So we're pen to paper and what I find, and this is obviously, this is a real example I'm relaying to you. Mm -hmm. Kids are writing lists. They're not saying to me, do we need to put the date and a title? They're just writing a list yeah. and, and of things that we need to take in with us to keep us safe. And when we go in, Long story short, they, they, they look at the building and then I tell them what I see in the building. I say to them that I see something really strange. It's like a dried up river mm -hmm. and with a boat in it. And the kids are, kids are like, what's a river doing inside the factory? And we don't know. And then I say to them, there's a lot of things that were clearly brightly colored ones, but they're all faded and the wallpaper's peeling. And we find a painting and on the painting there is a it's a painting of an eccentrically dressed man in a top hat but again it's peeling and decaying mm -hmm. and we realize and there's some initials and the initials are ww and the kids realize that it's willy wonka's factory <laughs> but it's decayed and old and and it's and suddenly they're leaning into it because that's the book they studied, they've read, you know, and they've yeah. got a fondness for it. So in terms of leaning in, there's a spirit of adventure in what I've just described. And it's quite, I, I mean, I've just told you that anecdotally. Yeah. But I've got the plans. I've got the plans which have got phases on them. They've got suggested teacher um, direction. And also, crucially, there's the um, the purpose, the why. Why are we doing it? Why is it worth doing? When kids find out it's Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and it's going to get demolished, what they actually want to happen is they want to save the factory. <laughs> and that then is social action. Now, this is all imaginative. It's all in the classroom. But what the kids are practicing, what they're feeling, that sense of presence again, is they're feeling what it's like to have a, to take a stand and have a position, take a stance, if you like. And they want to save the factory. So that just opens up <laughs> just, a, just a shed load of curriculum. And as an English, I was originally an English teacher, John. So I can think of all the modes of writing I could tick off, or the genres, I should say, that I could tick off there. I love that. Just that. As an yeah, and 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 I love. I mean, I was I was leaning into it there. I was I was invested. I wanted to know, you know, and and I can just completely see that that joy and inquisitive kind of nature of kind of <gasps> when when suddenly that penny drops, you know, and actually, you know, even just writing the list of what we're going to take in again, rather than write this down off the board. I think it's it's all that imaginative storytelling, which I think is really so powerful. So yeah, I, I love that, and I think hopefully that's given listeners that real understanding of. How do you get kids to lean into your to, to your curriculum? Yeah. And there are going to be, as we'll pick up, I'm sure, in, the, in this conversation, many areas of people's curriculum that aren't as interesting and, and, and exciting that actually, how do you make those? So how do you, by storytelling or by other means, how do you get kids to lean into something that might be quite abstract, that might be something that they maybe can't physically see in front of them, or maybe that might not initially turn them on? So I think that is, as you said, our job, isn't it, in terms of the, you know, the skilled practitioner and storyteller to do that so that that, that was wonderful so th thanks Howell um one thing you mentioned uh in 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 the opening kind of in the opening kind of uh, answer was was you, you mentioned that the, the, the word botheredness um so mm -hmm. 
and I've heard you talk about this before, and, and I know this is you know the, the title of your of your current book as well. So can you yeah. can you explain why it is so important to get children bothered about what they're learning? And then secondly, uh, a bit like we've just done there, how how can listeners actually go about doing this with their classes? I think all it is is uh, I mean it's I'm always very careful. I, the the word botheredness is kind of catchy mm -hmm. and it's landed really well, John. As you know, and mm -hmm. which is why we're chatting really. I think it's it's landed well. There's a lot of, lot of interest in it, and people do want to know a little bit more about it. I think what's happening at the moment um, is that there's a there's an increasing interest in. I'm going to use, the, I'm going to be very careful with this word, but I'm going to say creativity. And, and it's so sad. I've become conditioned to almost apologize to invite teachers to be creative. Mm -hmm. But what I mean by it is it's like looking at what we do and thinking, right, if we've managed to make this aspect of our curriculum, be it key stage three science or key stage four MFL, if we've managed to make it, dull and mundane then together as a team or reaching out perhaps to you know to the socials you know there's a lot of support that's free out there mm -hmm. you know we can perhaps find inspiration from each other mm. i think what's happened is we've you know i think we, what we've done is stop having these we've stopped having these great passionate conversations about what we do and instead, we've fallen into a rut. And I'm talking mainly, I mean, I visit hundreds of schools. I visit, I've, I don't know how many I've visited since September. It'll probably be in triple figures. Mm -hmm. It probably won't be, to be honest, but it'll be, it'll be enough, you know. And what I'm finding is people are really exhausted. And it's almost like, well, I haven't got time to be creative because we've got to get them to finish this thing off. Got to get them to finish this so we can do the next thing. I mean, particularly in primary where the curriculum is absolutely rammed. Mm -hmm. I think in key stage three, we've got opportunity to mm -hmm. actually celebrate and share a passion around what we do whilst getting kids ready for GCSE. I mean, we've got three years to get them cracking for GCSE. Mm -hmm. I think we can find that, that, that if you like, that passionate expression of, of what it is we do and what actually got us into teaching in the first place? Mm -hmm. Now, that that's not, I'm not saying that people aren't bothered because I think an incredibly vast majority of teachers are bothered about what they do. Absolutely. I just think that we're in a we're in a time in our in in if you like in teaching that's quite challenging, hence the difficulty to recruit and to retain colleagues. But, you know, I, I think what we need to do is have more conversations about what makes our, what, what makes our subject joyful. Mm -hmm. What makes our, what, where are our, where's the golden moments with our classes? And I, my golden moments is when they realise something's happening that they can do something about. That mm -hmm. perhaps knowledge, you know, knowledge will give them the solution, you mm -hmm. know. And 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 that's and that's really interesting from a from initially from a from a because I'd kind of initially thought about it as being which I'll come on to next botheredness about getting kids bothered but actually we're starting there about the adults aren't we actually yeah. let's make sure that as adults we're really really bothered and and we can find time to be creative because if it's just task complete task complete then actually we know that if that was us as as, as human beings that's not going to inspire or get us to be kind of really motivated and engaged and invested so. So I think that's really important. But in terms of then in, into the into the children, can you? Because again, I think it's that's it's fascinating in terms of how do you turn a lesson into 
from a task to a one hour lesson to getting kids to be suddenly really, really bothered and, and potentially maybe even a little bit through your storytelling, as you said there about, about the China Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka, how do you get them to be a little bit, maybe a little bit nervous or a little bit kind of worried or a little bit kind of excited? How do you turn the worksheet, the lesson plan, the scheme of work into yeah, kids yeah. being genuinely bothered? And I know I've, you've talked to me before about a couple of examples. So if you can, if you can share a couple of maybe examples of how you've done that and how you've left kids with that kind of, I know you talk about kind of that, I think it's a suspense, isn't it? How, how do you create that nice kind of environment where they are really bothered? It's, it's healthy tension yeah. that we're talking about. So there was this fashion in schools, um, you know, to trick kids and to fool them, particularly in primary where we'd say there's an alien spaceship that's crashed mm-hmm. and that we'd get someone to set it all up and the caretaker would help us out. And it all comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when we thought we were being creative back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then we'd tell the children that, a blood, there's an alien that's escaped from the crash spaceship and it's feasting on the blood of children. <laughs> and then we'd say, have a lovely weekend to the children and they'd go home. <laughs> and then there'd be letters from parents and stuff and it'd be in the papers and the Daily Mail would pick it up. And it, that's not creativity, that's, that's trauma. And I think what I'm talking about is I'll go back to the idea of side by side. The correct term for it is joint productive activity Mm -hmm. is where we're in it together. That comes from the University of California. That Mm -hmm. it's a nice expression and it's where we're in it with the kids. Listen, sometimes you've got to stand and just tell kids stuff. Mm -hmm. I've got no problem with that at all. Kids don't start with knowledge. They, They have to be given it, shown it. Or told it. It's how we wrap it up, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, in terms of in terms of finding examples, the way I do it, the way I find that tension is is it's natural, really. It's story. And if you don't like the word story because it sounds a bit juvenile, then use the word context. Uh-huh. Place it in a context. When you've got it in a context, that's when um, that's when it, it it sort of adds a whole new layer of meaning. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing Vikings. Well, the, that's what it says on the paper. We're doing Vikings in a school. And I'm, I'm being asked to go in to do pretty much what you've just asked me to talk about, John, mm-hmm. which is go as an example. So we've got Vikings. So there's a lot of tech support. You know, there's good PowerPoints and all the stuff. And the reason we've got all that sort of stuff, worksheets, PowerPoints, is to make sure that we can sleep well at night. It's to make sure we're covering everything we've expected to cover. We're expected to cover, so we're not letting anyone down. And I totally get that. But I think you know we're professionals, so we can we can write, we can do that, but we can also repackage it. So here's an example: I set the kids up as being monks on Lindisfarne in 79 AD, uh-huh. and we're all just we're growing our, we're struggling with the ground, but we're trying to grow our crops. We're looking after our animals and we've got the monastery behind us. We've got the body of St. Cuthbert in there. It's an incredibly precious place for us, St. Cuthbert. We've got, it's proper, incredibly important to us. And we're also in year five and we're, we're, we're monks. Now this is conceptually quite abstract for a lot of kids. So I just stand there and describe what I'm wearing. I'm actually wearing, a, you know, my normal professional attire as a visiting teacher but I tell the kids I describe an abbot Uh and I use the word and I'm they're saying the word and then 
they all do their jobs. They decide what jobs need doing if we're monks in 79 AD. And we realize we haven't got Wi-Fi. We realize we haven't got Greg's. We realize we haven't got all these trappings of modern life. Mm-hmm. And then they show me them doing their work. And that's drama. That's drama pedagogy. There's teacher mm-hmm. in role, kids in role, um, other adults in role, because there's other adults in the room. And then I just speak in role don't put on a voice, just talk in my normal voice. And I say, I see him, I see one of the brothers running towards me from the beach. He's a lookout and he's seen something. And as he runs towards me, I see his face stricken with fear. And I use language deliberately, John, that's, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's higher, you know, it's, it, the kids have got to reach up for the language. So they've got to listen in and that's leaning in. Uh-huh. And what the, what the lookout has seen on the horizon is the, the Vikings on their way. Uh-huh. The Vikings to come, and it's going to be the big invasion and the ransack, the ransacking of um, of, of Lindisfarne. And mm-hmm. what the kids have got to decide is: do we stay or do we go? And we go through simple, you know, again using drama pedagogy, um, you know, doing like conscience alleys and things that listeners will be familiar with, but may have forgotten about. Now I could upskill that. I could, sorry, I could upgrade that. I think to describing you know if there's a topic in year seven called invasion we mm-hmm. had that in history in year seven you know there you've got it we just don't, we just um engineer it upwards uh that to make it appropriate for the year group when i teach pgc drama students i'll do it with them maybe mm-hmm. but i've engineered it up further because they're they're grown-ups obviously now sorry just just i know sorry i'm, I'm banging on but the 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 whole thing is just the way to make a context, which I outline in the book, is quite straightforward. It's the three ingredients of all stories, all stories ever, which is people in a place with a problem. And what children realise is that knowledge, the knowledge they're acquiring will help them, if you like, um, respond to the problem. But when they hear the problem, that's where the health tension happens. I hope that makes sense. It, it absolutely does. And I, and I love that. And I love the way you articulated it and, and really pulled it all together at the end there in terms of those three stages to any story. Because what you've just described there, any subject, any teacher can think of what is the problem we're doing today? Um, how, how can I then create a, a context, if you want to call it context rather than story, if you don't want to, you know, again, if you feel like it's too kind of woolly, but actually how do I get the children in front of me to actually understand what this means and ultimately become bothered, you know, and, and, and get bothered and, you know, and, and, and create that botheredness. Um, so I, I, I love that. I, I really do. Um, now, one thing that, that, that I've heard you talk about before in terms of how, do you, how you get kids to that kind of point is you've talked before about kind of protecting kids into it. And, and, and I know we haven't touched on it yet. Um, but what, what do you mean by that? And, and why is it important to be able to protect kids into that kind of story or that botheredness? Yeah, I, I think we, we're we all realistic and, you know, it, I'm not coming on your podcast saying, right, we all now t- need to be storytellers because mm-hmm. we need protecting into that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we as grown-ups, we all need protecting into stuff. I think uh, if I think of when I taught drama, I was an accidental drama teacher because no one else wanted to teach it <laughs> and so I, 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 but I enjoyed it. I never had any drama training other than the subsequent CPD I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I used to realize was my year nines would queue up 
And the, f- the first seven or eight of them would be buzzing because it was drama, you know, and they'd be absolutely like Glee Club running in, absolutely their favourite lesson of the week. Um, the, I mean, yeah, jumping, running in, really happy. And then there'd be the rest of the class. <laughs> now, I knew that amongst the rest of the class, there'd be, there'd be some kids who were so worried about humiliation. Not that I, I don't think I've ever humiliated a kid in my, in my career. Ever, mm-hmm. not purposefully. And, but I think the, the kids still come in with that fear. It's funny because even grown ups do. Even when I'm doing sessions now in set or conferences, people won't sit, some people won't sit at the front with me, grown ups, because they say, You're going to pick on me. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not, you're not at a, you're not at a comedy club. <laughs> Real. Well, you might be a bit, but <laughs> you know. Um, and I think the protecting in is just making sure that. Uh, You know, the subject that we're delivering, if I think from a secondary context, the subject we're we're delivering to that class, and especially if it's mixed ability, you know, you've got a plan for the class in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's and I know that's more time consuming, but that that's the if you like, that's the specific professional act. Mm -hmm. If you've got you've got I had I had like six year nines and they were all different. Mm -hmm. Very memorable year that for me in teaching because I seem to have year nine all the time you know it felt like you know but it was um it's thinking about how am I going to get the least biddable kid hooked in mm-hmm. I mean when I worked in a pupil referral unit after I'd done mainstream secondary and in that it's all about that it's all about protecting in so you know we've got to do Shakespeare so what I did with that was I I, I gave the kids um a, a real person to 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 investigate and it was lance armstrong you know the cyclist yeah um, and I, I told the kids to go and research him and because we needed to do something that we would published on our curriculum it was on our website so we needed to do it um so i got the kids researching lance armstrong and they thought he was mint right because he was like a millionaire <laughs> um a cancer survivor and a, a drugs cheat, <laughs> you know, and it and really what these lads were getting, they were all boys in the class. They were kind of getting an example of a really complex man mm-hmm. who's neither a goodie or a baddie. Mm-hmm. He's just grey. He's not black or white, just grey. I also let them investigate Sepp Blatter, who used to be in charge of FIFA. Do you remember yeah. him? Yeah, I do, Absolutely. Don't want any trouble with lawyers, but he was quite a complex character as well. And neither all good or all bad, I'd say. And, you know, there's many characters, real people, bad actors, basically, that are out there that I could have picked. But they really like the Lance Armstrong character because mm-hmm. he was athletic as well and, and mm-hmm. good looking and all that kind of stuff. He was inspirational other than the fact that he was um, a liar. I think, <laughs> and they all went home and watched the program, which was a yeah, movie yeah. based on his, his actions. And then it was on Netflix. And uh, really all of this, we talked about words to describe him. Really what they were na- navigating was the concept of a flawed man. And that really was my way of protecting them into the study of, the careful study, the gentle study, because of the, you know, the context of the school and the children in the room, but a study of Macbeth. Yeah. So it was going in 
it from a different perspective. And that is protecting the kids in. That's great. That, 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 and that, that's a really good way of, of, of taking, because I would never, if you'd have said to me, Lance Armstrong, Macbeth, join the dots, I'd have been struggling. But as you've then talked me through that, I know exactly why you've done that. And I think it's really, really clever how you've done that. Um, one thing I know you've talked before about when, when you talk about protecting kids in, and you, you've said it a couple of times, but you, you, you often use the phrase, or I think you deliberately use the phrase, let's say and I think that, that's a nice way, isn't it, of protecting kids and to kind of at least say, we're not, you know, it's not a worksheet. Let, let's just say, so just tell me why that's so deliberate in your terminology with kids. Yeah, it's just another, you know, when you just find things that work. Mm -hmm. I used to say to kids, come on, let's pretend. And some kids would join in, you know, pretend you're Atticus Finch, you know, because we're doing To Kill a Mockingbird or something. And kids aren't that bothered. The polite kids would, because they're just like, don't want to let you down. Mm -hmm. But... Then I tried let's imagine and that didn't work either. And then I just started saying, let's say, because kids will say, but we're not. And you say, I know we're not, but let's say we are. But we're not, sir. No, I know we're not, but let's say we are. Mm -hmm. And you just, I just persistent with it. And before you know it, you're all in a trench in 1915, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're all, and, and it's all right. It's, by the time the kids have worked out some really, really good way to respond you've kind of moved on and you're already in it yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I love that just, that's protecting <laughs> yeah but it but it, it really gives people that that tool isn't it of, of being able to yeah. say let's just say and, and I, I do i think it's a nice way a very unaggressive and and, and a very kind yeah, of yeah. you know like it's a and a very age generic as well like you say because pretend might sound a little bit kind of oh god it's a bit, bit too young yeah. this but let's say i think is a very nice way of doing that irrespective of age stage phase subject whatever it is yeah. uh, and if that's one thing that people can pick up as a toolbox tip to kind of to use yeah. then i think that, that would be it isn't it yeah yeah and and i just did it with year 13s recently where it was let's say we're the un and we're sending the peacekeepers in but we've got to build a refugee camp yeah. What do we do first? Let's say that's our job. And they were all of them, all of them just leaned into it because they saw it as vital and important. Yeah. They knew it was fictional. It was like a, it was like, a, not, it wasn't a test. It was, do you know when it's, it's a scenario, but it's not real. It yeah, was, yeah. It was really good though. And, and the whole point of the day was to be part, to feel like you're in a team. So it was, I suppose it was just team building, really. But but they felt like the, it felt like the stakes were really high. Perfect. No, that, that, that's wonderful. Um, to finish with, then, what I, I'll give you almost a soapbox moment now, I suppose, oh. for for teachers out there. So in terms of what what would you want to leave our listeners with? I mean, you've talked about the importance of getting uh, students to be bothered and, and and how you get them to lean into the curriculum, getting them across the phase of compliance to engagement to investment. What would be your kind of lasting message for anybody out there, whether it's a school leader? Uh, a teacher whether it's a, a trainee teacher what would be your, your lasting message in terms of botheredness and engagement and investment i think four things hmm. but just four comments really the first is intellectual prowess we've got to operate as best we can with knowledge and i know i'm i, I sometimes think i come across as really just progressive and jazzans but actually everything i do is about a richness of knowledge and the importance of knowledge mm -hmm. privileging it and but we've got to be knowledgeable so we should know what we're talking about so intellectual prowess is yep. one and um, the second one is relational warmth mm -hmm. i think we need to be uh, we need to be warm demanders 
of our young people. So we can be, I don't like warm strict, sorry, I don't like it, <laughs> but warm demander, that's it. It's high challenge, um, high challenge, and I'm looking after you. I'm going to really look after you, and I am bothered about you. Love and that. then there's, then there's um, if you like, this courage, professional courage. Just even if you just took a couple of things from all the podcasts that you do, John, a few things, one thing from each podcast, you'd end up with a pretty good toolkit, I'm sure. Yeah. But it takes some courage to try stuff out. Definitely. It really It's easier just to default to the norm. Yeah. And the final thing, I think, is self-care. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I know we've, we've, we've gone through well-being and stuff, and that's really important. Um, but I think recognising joy in the moment yeah. when you're with kids and when you're with your colleagues, having a laugh. And, and I, I know that sounds shallow, but finding the fun and the spirit in what you do, that's really important. And if you look at those four elements, you've basically got the main characters of The Wizard of Oz there. <laughs> I'll that with you. There we pull it back to a story as a, as a which would be is perfect. So listen, what a fantastic uh, episode we've had there. If uh, so, a huge thank you. But if listeners are really are leaning into what you've said and really want to find out more about you and where your work is, how how would they, how, how can they find you? How well I mean I know where to find you, but where else can people find you if they've not heard you before? Just Google me. I'm really easy to find. Howell Roberts. I'm on, I'm on all the social media, I think. Just come and find me. And if you're interested in my books, they're on Audible uh, and they're in all good bookshops. Your independence as well as your biggins. Amazing. Listen, thank you so much for today. It's been a fantastic discussion. And I hope uh, listeners, whatever stage they're at in their career, can take some away from that. So, uh, yeah, just a, a huge thanks once again, Howell. Yes, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Northern Lights Teacher School Hub podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode where we'll be speaking to some more fantastic guests. But in the meantime, if you want to know more about the support, services and courses that Northern Lights Teacher School Hub offers, head over to northernlights.education and click on the Teaching School Hub tile. Until then, take care.